acceptance is the key to stepping into a mindset of peace. And really what it is, is telling yourself it is what it is. Like, that is the reality of the situation is I told my clients I would do this by this time. And so in order for me to be true to my word, I have to accept that I'm going to be working at seven o'clock at night. And so when you think about like your reality and accepting your reality, it's really just telling yourself it is what it is. All righty. You know what the next domain we're talking about is? Composure. Why is it composure? I don't know. You tell me. Because you have to work on it. It's important. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> it's the next domain because it is what you need to work on immediately after establishing core values and alignment with. Why? Because you still live in the same world. Once you establish your guidelines, if you will, of your core values and trying to stay in alignment with them. And decide where you're going. Exactly. You now have a roadmap. The problem is it's not going to be the same one as everybody else. So you have the same kids, the same stimuluses outside. You have to now bounce a set of rules against everything. And you're going to have to learn how to remain uh, calm and logical through, uh, through life. So, what exactly is composure? Um, <clears throat> not being an asshole when things change. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's it's uh, more than just that. I know. It's how we handle stress. It's being aware of your emotions, staying calm and in control, like you said, and incorporating more mindfulness into your day-to-day. The way I like to think about it is being intentional about my internal and external actions. What are internal and external actions? Like how I feel about things, I control that. I, if I get a kick of anger or sadness or happiness, I can do something with that if I understand those feelings and logically work through them. If I don't, because I don't pay any attention to them or research it or understand how I react, I'm toast because it's going to affect it. So you're saying we shouldn't push our emotions down and just ignore them? I mean, you can. That's uh, a recipe for interesting conversations later on. (laughs) (laughs) It's a recipe for therapy later on. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like I said, interesting conversations. (laughs) I'm Chris. And I'm Kylie. And this is Redefining Resilience. Where we explore what it means to build a resilient lifestyle so you can thrive in any and every situation. I think of stress management in two different ways. One, it's how we respond to stress. And two, it's what we think is stressful. So you can mitigate the impact of the stress once it's already there, or you can control what you interpret as stressful and kind of just stop it in its tracks. And a few years ago, I felt like I was probably at the most stressful point I've I've ever been in in my career. And I had to take a step back and really ask myself, why am I stressing out about these things? 
some of the stuff that I'd stress out about, like I was traveling a lot for work. I'd get stressed out every time I had to travel. And it's like, okay, this isn't going anywhere. I'm traveling every single week. I've got to figure out how to do this without interpreting it as stress every time. Because it's totally manageable. I just have to change the narrative in my head about it. <laughs> All right, Kylie. So you tell me how you define stress. You know, it's a hard question really to answer, but I think new situations can cause stress. I think challenges that you've never encountered before can cause stress. Um, and even just the anticipation of something happening can be interpreted as stressful. So the unknown? It's Yeah, it's the unknown. I, I think when you have a plan, you're less likely to be stressed out about things. But new experiences, even if they're planned, can be stressful. Because there could be dynamics that you're unfamiliar with. Think about like whenever we go on family trips or something. You don't know how the dynamics of those trips are going to go. So there could be components of that that are stressful. Maybe it's the preparation necessary, getting ready to go on a family trip, wondering like, who's going to rub me the wrong way once we get around the family? It just is the unknown of what you're about to encounter. That's why I think planning and prevention is such a huge way to help us prevent stress. So the more you understand about the situation, the less stressed you are. Yeah, but I also can get stressed even if I know like what's about to go down. Like meeting your family for the first time. That was kind of stressful because I didn't know how they were going to act around me. I didn't know what they were going to ask. I didn't know how I was going to feel in that environment. And I think you probably could say the same when you met my family, right? It's just a bunch of unknowns and you don't know how you're going to feel or what you're going to encounter in those experiences. We're going up to Chicago this weekend and it's stressful because one, we have to pack so we've got to make sure we don't forget anything and then we've got to get the dogs packed up and then driving in the car with the dogs can be stressful because Hippo likes to puke in the car. So there's just, you know, a bunch of things that could come our way that we may or may not be prepared for or want. You know, we might be on our way to Chicago and have to deal with traffic. You just never know what you're about to get into. And so I think it's, it is the unknown that is stressful. Yeah, it's interesting how you handle stress differently than I do. What do you mean? Well, I just don't I don't waste much emotional energy on a lot of the things in the unknown because there's really only so many caveats or ways things can go. Meeting your family, they were gonna love me or hate me, right? I'm a pretty likable guy and I know people pretty well and I know you really well. You're from them, so I've got a really good shot of getting along with at least one of them, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I asked you a bunch of questions about your parents, and I told you a bunch of things about my parents. You knew my upbringing. You knew things about my dad and my mom, and not bad, just information. So the more information you have, the easier it is. I think, based on the human system and the knowledge I have about it, new stressors are always going to be a shock to the system. You're creating new pathways in the brain. You're utilizing new muscle groups in different ways. 
even if it's standing behind a counter longer than you're normally used to standing, it's going to be hard on your body. So there is a level of stress. I think we tend to view any kind of stress as extremely detrimental to the system, the the whole body system. It's really not. It's just hard. And adding mental on top of new physical stress is extremely shocking. Well, and routine things that you're dealing with on an ongoing basis are the things that you've got to figure out how to get through without feeling stressed about it. Like getting the laundry done, cooking dinner, getting out the door on time to go to work meetings. Like those are things that you have to do on a recurring basis. Why are you running cortisol through your system every time one of those things has to happen? Because then you're just you're just living in a sea of cortisol all the time if you're constantly getting stressed about the same shit day over day. So we talked a little bit about, or you talked a little bit about uh, the stressful moments basically in the future. How do you deal with the stressful moment currently? Like it, it hits you right there. Yeah, I look back at my week this week and I had to get a new client onboarded. I had to get a proposal sent out. I had to figure out some billing stuff. All of that was stuff I had to do in one day. And there was a lot that was time sensitive. And so the thing I I remind myself to do is like, I can only do one thing at one time. So methodically planning out, okay, this one thing is going to take me maybe 30 minutes. I've got a 30 minute break here. I'll just plan for it to get done during that time. And you know what? Worst case scenario, like I did this week, you know, I was working till 6.30, 7 o'clock one night. And sometimes that has to happen. I don't work late into the evening often because I try to give myself those boundaries. But During the times where it has to get done because I need to get something out by a specific day or time, I just say, you know what? This is part of the process. And at the end of the day, I think about, like, do I want to grow? Do I want to be successful in my business? And sometimes that's what it takes. And that's fine. Like, it's perfectly fine to have to work late one night. I like you saying the phrase sometimes. Sometimes that's beneficial. Sometimes that's needed. That's not an every time. No. That's not every night. It's actually very rare that I'm working really past like 4.30. I try to be done by 4.30 so I can get to the gym before the the after 5 o'clock rush. And I I try to be done around 4 or 4.30 so I can get other stuff knocked out around the house or start prepping for dinner or whatever we've got going on in the evenings. So if I have to do that every once in a while, it's no big deal. It's it's really not that big of a deal at all. And, you know, like this week we were babysitting a friend's seven-month-old and I couldn't get anything done with a seven-month-old. And so my work day got completely disrupted, which is totally fine because it's not like I'm dealing with the seven-month-old every single day and trying to juggle that that situation, and kudos to the parents that do. But uh, luckily, I, I gave the baby back, <laughs> and, <laughs> and so I could finish up my work once he was home with his mom, and 
it was all right. Now I've just got to knock this stuff out in order to wrap up my day. And it is what it is. It, I think acceptance is the key. Because if I'm trying to fight reality and fight the the fact that I need to get this shit done, and yeah, do I want to be working at 7 o'clock at night? No. But do I also want to do a great job for my clients and follow through on the things that I said I was going to do? 100%. It's the trade-off. You said something really interesting there that I'd like to talk a little bit more about. Acceptance of this is reality. Can you explain how you landed on that? Because like you taught me that concept, and I think it is vital to understand that. Yeah. Acceptance is the key to stepping into a mindset of peace. And really what it is, is telling yourself it is what it is. Like That is the reality of the situation is I told my clients I would do this by this time. And so in order for me to be true to my word, I have to accept that I'm going to be working at seven o'clock at night. And so when you think about like your reality and accepting your reality, it's really just telling yourself it is what it is. And I had a client one time say that her mantra is, it is what it is, it's not what it's not, and it'll be what it'll be. And like that's her mantra for acceptance. And I love that because essentially you can't mess with a person like that because they are unshakable due to the fact that they accept anything that comes their way. And so really, at the end of the day, acceptance is key if you want to be in a peaceful mindset. So generally speaking, the way I view stress is a change to my normal operating systems outside of my control. Since it's a change in my normal operating systems outside of my control, I can let things like the laundry and the dishes and mopping the floor and, and sweeping and whatnot become out of my control, or I can schedule them and make myself do them a couple times a month, and then it becomes a norm, and then it becomes a habit, and then all of a sudden I don't have all these little tiny things that snowball and create big problems. I'm a firm believer that there's no such thing as a big decision. It's all an accumulation of small ones. Mm-hmm. And it's, a, it's the same for your stress level. You can operate in a way that allows the small things to become large things. So I don't make the bed in the morning and I don't clean the bathroom and I don't do the dishes or the laundry. Then I have a really shitty day and I come home and I have six other things that if you broke it apart individually mean nothing but are so loud after the shitty day that you could have just taken care of and it would have been easier to come home because you don't have an accumulated stress level of small stuff. Yeah. I'm going to have to a pretty large amount of stress in my life for several years and the only way I think I made it through it without losing my mind was I controlled all the small things. I mean, it was how I put the silverware in the silverware drawer. It was down to like I'd been begging for things to control because there was so much out of my control happening around me that that's how I maintained composure. Well, and I think a really helpful exercise that you can do is just to take an inventory of the routine things that either you want to get done on a recurring basis or you know need to get done on a recurring basis and just plan it out. I mean, at home we have a little chore chart for weekly chores. So it doesn't matter 
you know, if we get it done on a Sunday or we get it done on a Monday. But every week we know we need to get these things done. And when we do, we feel a lot calmer and more in control of what comes at us during the week. Because then we're not having to think about like, oh, I've got to get all this other stuff done. You know, we're controlling a lot of the variables that then might have caused stress later. Because then, you know, if you're looking at an overflowing laundry basket and you've already had a stressful day, it's only going to amplify your stress because now you're looking at that as one more thing. Yeah. When really it's something that is not going away. Well, not only is it not going away, it's going to help you help you live a healthier, cleaner life. And your environment is a reflection of what's going on inside your head. 100%. If there's chaos in your head, there's going to be chaos in your environment. That is a reality. So if you have a messy home, if you have, you know, if you're one of those people that, you know, can't catch a break, it is literally because you are causing your own internal stress. So take an inventory of the things that you're stressing out about and recognize that these things are typically not that big of a deal. Like it's starting to is- sound like me. It's freaking me out a little bit. Well, <laughs> I hang out with you enough. I probably do. I love it. <laughs> And that's where I think even incorporating more mindfulness into your daily routine and just being with the task that you're on. So often I see people rushing from one thing to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing, and you're never actually present with whatever you're doing. So instead of just rushing to get all the cleaning done, maybe you turn on some music and enjoy the process. Oh, that's why I like my French press in the morning. I I think our Nespresso is way easier. Uh, it makes great coffee. I can pick 19 different flavors. But my French press has a a process and a a systematic way of creating what I think is the best coffee. So I get to wake up every morning, start this process, and it's really fulfilling. Well, and it, it, it's it's a slow process. You're not yeah. rushing to get through it. It takes time. I mean, it is a lengthy coffee-making process that you go through every morning. And here I am, like, just give me my coffee and let me get to my day. But one thing I've learned since you and I started dating is that, like, our slow mornings are the greatest gift we could give ourselves every day. It dictates how you live the rest of the day. Yeah. Because if you wake up, balls to the wall, angry or just running like crazy, the rest of your day will be just like that. Yeah. My dad is excellent at waking up way before everybody does. He has a quiet time for like an hour and a half. And I think most of the reason he does that is he gets to dictate the rest of his day. He controls every aspect of everything uh, to a T. So if you find that you are rushing through your days, take inventory and just reflect on how you're starting your day. Your morning routine is extremely important for how you ground yourself and set the tone for the rest of the day. If you are waking up with just enough time to get ready and get out the door and barely make it to work on time, you are setting yourself up for a stressful day. You've now set the tone that you are rushing through your day. You are irritated every time there's a traffic jam or someone cuts you off on your way to the office or something like that, you're just going to be more on edge because you've started your day out on the tone that you've got to rush through it. 
Well, that and you have to take into account the fact that you don't live in a bubble or a vacuum. If you need to leave 20 minutes early to get to work, 20 minutes before you need to be there, it's probably a good idea to give yourself 30 minutes or 25 just because there are other people living life outside that are going to do things you can't prepare for. So give yourself five or 10 extra minutes. Just assume everybody else on the road is rushing also. Well, yeah, that's why the speed limit's 55 and everybody goes 70. Yeah. That's because everybody lives in this time crunch. But we also live in the only nation on the planet that thinks grinding and running a million miles an hour equals success. Or if you're not, you're not ever going to be successful. We're taught this mantra from an early age that it's go, 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 rush, rush, rush. And when you make it, you're just going to be rushing a million miles an hour with a big office. It's like, what a miserable existence. Like, it's just like you were talking about with cortisol. You're pumping cortisol through your system 24-7. That enzyme literally breaks down muscle and tissue. It destroys your body. You, the reason why we're having the cancer and heart problems and all these other, like, wicked medical issues is because we live with this abnormal stress level 24-7. That's depression, anxiety. Suicide, I mean, a bunch of issues come from heightened cortisol levels. Mm -hmm. And one thing that with your cortisol levels, your adrenal glands produce adrenaline only for so long because there's just, it's not an infinite amount of adrenaline. You're eventually going to go from adrenaline to cortisol and your cortisol processes just destroy your body. It's fight or flight mode at the maximum. Just remember that your your body wants to be in balance. So if you're rushing and you're pumping your body with adrenaline and cortisol, it's got to come back down. You're going to crash. You're going to become physically, mentally exhausted. That's when we become hyper-emotional too. Exactly. Right? That's the byproduct of being unemotional because of all the cortisol and adrenaline. The byproduct is the exact opposite, which is hyper-emotional and uh, tend to be very unrealistic. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. We get completely irrational because we can't think from your the prefrontal cortex, part of our brain, which is responsible for executive functioning. That's our smart brain and helps us think critically and calmly and creatively. And when we're in this mode of panic and rush and anxiety, we're using our limbic brain, which is responsible for detecting threats, which back in the the caveman days, that was really helpful. But because we're not getting chased by bears and attacked by enemy tribes, we don't necessarily need that limbic brain to be as active as it is. And so we have to train that limbic brain to chill out through mindfulness intentionally slowing down is the way you are going to lower your cortisol levels. And just even being aware that you are stressed the hell out is the first step in making progress towards having a more peaceful life and keeping your composure and being able to think critically in stressful situations because that is the only way we're really going to be able to accomplish our goals and make our vision happen is if we're 
very intentionally moving through our day-to-day lives because it's not, you know, any one specific thing that's going to get you to your goals. It is a culmination of how you stack every single day together, you know, over the course of a week, a month, a quarter, a year. That's what's going to create your ability to attain your goals, And so how you do things on a day-to-day basis is arguably the most important part of reaching your goals. But we can't do things from a strategic, logical place if we're constantly stressed out. So some stress is good. Some stress is not good. Too much of stress can, can put you in this place of panic, and that's when we start to enter into mental health issues. So I just bought a deadlift suit a little while ago, and every time I train in this thing, it is like hyper compression, and I blow the blood vessels in my eyeballs. And hold on, hold on. Just for the listeners who don't know <laughs> what a deadlift suit is, it's like a leotard. It's an extremely tight leotard. It takes me about 30 minutes to get in it. With assistance. Yeah, I have to have somebody pull the straps up over my shoulders. And it's like an inch thick mm-hmm. material. It's like super tight blue jean material, and it's a leotard. It's, yeah. yeah. It's real cute. Uh, so yesterday, to get it stretched out since it's brand new, I can only get it, like if you imagine trying to put on a child's leotard, you can probably only get it about to your middle of your belly. What was it, Tommy Boy? I was like, fat man in a little suit. Fat guy in a little coat. Fat guy in a little coat. <laughs> that guy in a little coat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's Chris in a deadlift suit. And I put the strap around the hook, the J-hook on the rack, and I just hang from it. So it slowly <laughs> lets me wiggle down into it. I did that for about an hour the other day at the gym. But I'm using this analogy because the compression and the the stress of this movement it's not that the deadlift itself is exhausting. It's all of the little tiny factors compiled into one. I don't make the best emotional decisions that day because I'm fucking shot. Like I can feel the lag time and my ability to process because I'm just so tired. My body is so whooped. But unless we understand what it feels like to be able to calculate our decisions and understand our emotions – we're going to f- constantly fly around in that realm of, uh, I just used my deadlift suit. I'm exhausted. My body's yeah. whooped. I'm just making decisions to make it through. Well, it took a ton of effort to get into the suit and then a ton of effort to lift the barbell in the suit. And again, because you're running on cortisol and adrenaline during that whole process, your body is just crashing hard afterwards. It's a major boost of, a, of adrenaline. Uh, it's so tight, I have to get somebody to take it off of me immediately or I'll pass out. Yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, that that's life, though. I mean, you have to come back down from the heightened stress periods and give yourself a rest. Otherwise, your body's going to take rest for you in the form of sickness. That's why a lot of people get sick when they're super stressed out because their body needs to recoup and you're not giving it any intentional time to do that. And so it's forcing you to take that time. So your body's going to react as a defense mechanism or with a defense mechanism or as one, regardless of what you do. If you don't chill the fuck out and let it rest, it's going to force you to. It's going to start breaking down in order to stop the system so it can repair. It has to. 
Its only job is to stop itself from being injured. And if you're running full bore 24-7, your body's going to go, okay, dude, I'm, I'm, about, I'm about there. I'm about to shut off. I can't do this anymore. And it'll just – it'll start getting sick. One of the biggest issues with men and women retiring from high up in the military is they retire and die of heart attacks within the first one or two years. And the reason is they have this massive amount of adrenaline and cortisol for 15, 20 years in the military making crazy decisions and just living under massive amounts of stress. They leave the military and then immediately it's gone and their body is so exhausted that it just can't take it. It, it, it doesn't understand the lack of stress in purpose, I guess, and just is done. It's super interesting to me. And it's more interesting once I stopped drinking because I could understand the feelings because I didn't hide them. When I was drinking, it wasn't like a ton. I mean, I wasn't smashing 60 beers a day, but I would come home stressed out and I'd drink a couple paps, you know. Which is Probably the worst thing we can do for our bodies is to put poison in it when it's already having a hard time just getting through day to day. Yeah, but then I would be really <laughs> confused like, man, I don't know why. I just feel like I can't catch a break. I feel like I can't chill out. I feel like my body's just exhausted all the time. Low energy. Yeah. You're not sleeping great then. I mean, it's a vicious cycle. You've got to get yourself out of it and you've got to decide how you want to think from a day-to-day basis? Do you want to be rushed? Do you want to be stressed out? Or do you want to be at peace and enjoy your life? I think it's one of my favorite things about you is when life gets stressful, you take personal responsibility in it and you say things like, I don't want this in my life anymore. I don't want this stress level. I understand that I control how I feel about this or what's going on or where I am or what I'm doing. Well, part of being able to manage stress is being able to plan and prevent. And that's part of the reasoning domain that we'll get into next. But the part that allows us to tap into that logical planning and prevention function of our brain is by reducing our stress levels and being able to keep our composure and operate out of the smart brain instead of the limbic brain. So we've been talking a lot about stress management. What does it have to do with composure? Well, your ability to handle the stress around you is going to be how you're composed throughout the day, you know. Your composure is just how you deal with the stress in your life. Mm -hmm. At the beginning of this, we talked about Composure being the next domain because you're living in the same stimuluses, but now with a set of rules, that set of rules is going to cause friction. It's going to be stress. Well, and you look at some people and you just think, wow, they've just got it all together. They just have such an easy life. Their life is no easier than yours or mine, anybody's. It's just the fact that they've been able to, to keep their composure and manage the stressors that they encounter on a day-to-day basis better than most. I have a macro and microeconomics teacher, Rusty Smith is his name. Oh, Rusty. I love this fucking guy. It was my favorite classes in college. Rusty doesn't make a ton of money. 
Rusty adopts dogs, him and his wife. I think he's got like 11. And he's the coolest, calmest, funniest guy you'll ever be around. And he loves his life. And like, I want that ability to remain in, with that composure. I look at that guy and he's just got it together. He's the happiest dude you'll ever meet. Loves talking about macro and macro, micro and macroeconomics. Is a teacher because that's all he wants to do with his life. And he's just got it. He's the guy you meet and you're like, man, that guy's really got his shit together. Yeah. And it, do, it Money has nothing to do with how you live your life. Um, I know people who struggle financially who seem to be some of the happiest people. They yeah. just have faith and appreciation for what they've got. And it's this constant pursuit of more, more, more and – a lack of appreciation for what you already have that causes this this stress and discomfort on a day-to-day basis. And I, I think if we can just slow down, be more mindful. We've talked a lot about mindfulness because it's so important. Mindfulness is just being present. And how many times are we thinking about the next, you know, three things that we've got going on? In the day, you know, I I don't know how many of you sit on Zoom meetings and think about like the emails that are coming through or, you know, your kids are in the background or your dogs are in the background causing a ruckus and you're not fully present in the Zoom meeting because you're doing other stuff and, oh, I'm just going to go off camera for a little while. You are not being mindful. If you are going to be in that Zoom meeting, be in that Zoom meeting. Well, I think we talked about this a while ago. Silence is the loudest thing in the world for a lot of people. Being mindful is really hard because then you're just uh, focusing on one thing and people feel like they are not being productive if they're focused on one thing. They feel like they have to be doing a million things. Yeah, you got to sit with your own thoughts. And some people don't like their their own thoughts. And guess what? We are not the thinker of our thoughts. We need to start becoming the observer of our thoughts. You've got to start thinking about what thoughts are serving you and what thoughts are not. And that's the only way you're going to interpret stress in a different way. Because we we have to, and I'll take a page out of Chris's playbook here, but we've got to take personal responsibility for our stress. No one is stressing you out. You are choosing stress as a response to the stimulus that is coming to you in life. Well, I think that's the hardest part, and it's why it's easier to stress out and just throw a fit. Because if I say whatever happened at work or my kids or my spouse or my dog is stressing me out, I've removed – the personal responsibility of my actions in this whole scenario, and I've become a martyr. And it's easier to be a martyr than it is to say, all right, well, it's my job to respond accordingly, and it's my job to be the parent that shows my children how to act, or it's my job to be the dog parent that actually teaches my dog to be better as opposed to throwing a fit. And it's hard because you're trying to, most of the time, learn in the moment. Until you're in the moment and you, you feel those feelings, you don't know you have to learn anything. And sometimes, like with me, life happens really fast and something will happen to me and I'll feel a certain way and then I won't go back to that feeling or that situation for like a year. And then I don't remember that I have to work on that. 
So it's a constant process, but the more responsibility you take as things happen, the easier it is to see your responsibility in life, in actions, in situations, and it's easier to take control. Thanks for listening to Redefining Resilience. To learn more about building your mental and physical readiness, check out odysseyresilience.org. And follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn, and TikTok.